0: Welcome to Notes from the Electronic Cottage. I'm Jim Campbell. There have been a lot of headlines lately, such as, quote, U.S. Senate votes to let broadband ISPs sell your browser histories, end quote. A headline which is actually literally true. On March 23, 2017, the Senate passed by a party-line vote, every Democrat voted against it, and every Republican present, including Maine Senator Susan Collins, voted for the, quote, "...congressional disapproval," end quote, of a Federal Communications Commission rule that was supposed to go into effect this month. The House followed on March 28th, again on a party-line vote. That rule would have prevented Internet service providers from selling your personal information, including your browsing history, to whoever was willing to pay for that information, such as corporate advertisers, and, though no one seemed to mention this out loud, three-letter government agencies as well. But just what is it, and why is this a big deal for anyone who uses the Internet for essentially anything? Good questions. Let's see if we can dig out some answers. Whenever a person goes online, he or she does so through an Internet Service Provider, or ISP for short such as Spectrum, the company which has now taken over Time Warner Cable, or AT&T, or Fairpoint, or Verizon, or Comcast, or other cable or communication company. People pay a monthly fee for the service of being able to access the internet. Since everything we do on the internet goes through the facilities of these internet service providers, they obviously can track everywhere that we go on the web every website, and even every web page that we access, and every location that we're in when we do so. That's the kind of information that makes advertisers drool. Now, it's important to note here that this is a different situation from companies that amass as much information about you as they can to sell you to advertisers, in return for which they offer you free services. Google is a prime example, There's no charge to use the Google search engine or Google Docs or most of the material on YouTube. We pay for those services instead by letting Google amass information about us that Google sells to advertisers. Advertisers buy that information so that they can provide ads for products that supposedly are targeted to our interests, which supposedly means that we're more likely to buy those products. But no, that's not the situation here. We pay Internet service providers big bucks every month so that we can access the Internet or cable TV or cable phone services. In the process of using those services, a huge amount of information about us is collected by the ISP. So, what can those ISPs do with that information? Well, pretty much anything they want, and that information has a real value. How do we know that? Well, a few years ago, some ISPs started charging extra if a customer did not want their information sold to others. AT&T, for example, famously charged their fiber internet customers an extra $29 a month or more if they opted out of having their internet traffic scanned so that they could be delivered personalized ads. AT&T kept this extra privacy charge up for three years or so, and then abruptly stopped the program. Perhaps just coincidentally, they stopped it a few weeks before the Federal Communications Commission was about to pass rules that would give consumers more control over what ISPs could do with the information that the ISPs collected about their customers' online usage and activity. It was those rules that the Senate and House voted to rescind. The politics and the somewhat screwy procedures that they use to do that don't matter for our purposes here. What matters is what it means for us as users of the Internet and what, if anything, we can do to protect our personal privacy while we're online. What can we as individuals do to maintain at least some modicum of personal privacy as we move about on the Internet? Perhaps the first and easiest thing is to only use websites whose addresses begin with HTTPS. The S stands for secure. Your ISP will know that you went to that web domain, but will not be able to tell what pages you looked at there. So that's a small start for privacy. One of the arguments that the CTIA and other industry trade groups made in support of this rule reversal is that most ISPs have already committed themselves voluntarily to a set of privacy principles. That privacy principles document says, among other things, that, quote, ISPs will continue to 1. follow the FTC, that's the Federal Trade Commission's, guidance regarding opt-in consent for the use and sharing of sensitive information as defined by the FTC, 2. offer an opt-out choice to use non-sensitive customer information for personalized third-party marketing, and 3. rely on implied consent to use customer information in activities like service fulfillment and support, fraud prevention, market research, product development, network management and security, compliance with law, and first-party marketing, End quote. In theory, this means that our Internet service providers will provide a way for users to opt out of most tracking. So one thing we can do to try to preserve our privacy online is to find out from our internet service providers how to opt out of being tracked. We'll put a link to a copy of the ISP principles on the Electronic Cottage webpage for today's program. That's on the WERU website at www.weru.org. We'll also put the link to the Spectrum privacy page since Time Warner Cable has been the largest cable service in our listening area. So, is it true that, quote, U.S. Senate votes to let broadband ISPs sell your browser histories, end quote? Yes. Is there anything we can do about it? Maybe, at least to some degree. And we'll take a more detailed look at how we might protect the privacy that we're actually paying for already right here on future editions of Notes from the Electronic Cottage.